my high school history teacher played for the women's team. So I, I got a little oh, bit of well, a connection there. I it's, guess you do. You know, little, it, but Taking she was, the local she, news angle, huh, Matt? Well, I mean, she was also like my, one of my first hockey coaches. So, I mean, it was oh, cool. cool. Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Welcome to episode 23 of season 5 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide and recorded from the state of hockey. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. You already know who it is. Dustin Lindstrom should be here a little later, but he's running late for whatever reason. Probably because we're recording earlier than normal on a Monday night. Uh, this week, as we wrap up the first half of the college hockey season with only 13 games before Christmas, including uh, looks like three conference matchups, we reached out to Commissioner of the CCHA, Don Lashita, to talk about how the first half has been and get his perspective on the future. Thanks for joining us once again, Commissioner. Happy to be with you guys. Nothing like uh, being on with great college hockey fans. Thanks. Uh, this week, we'll talk about the first half for the CCHA, uh, the start for Augustana. I think I said that right this time. You guys will obviously correct me in on Discord if I didn't. I got yelled at one other time for that. Uh, we'll talk about flow hockey and other broadcasting opportunities. Uh, maybe we'll recap Michigan Tech series with NMU. Maybe we won't talk about Saturday. We'll just forget that happened. Uh, and, prob- and we'll probably preview the GLI if we still have time. Anything else, guys? No, that sounds good. All right. We'll be right back with Commissioner Don Lucci after a little thank you notes and a brief note from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you in the market for insurance? Have your rates for home, auto, boat, or more been increasing way beyond inflation? If so, maybe it's time you spoke with Aaron Piedela and the team at Arcadia Insurance Group, serving Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and more. Who better to serve you than a former Michigan Tech player? For more information, call 866-511-1069 or go to ArcadiaAgency.com. We fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from listeners like you. You can show your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Whether you're interested in question priority, access to patron-only Zoom chats with coaches and players, instat deep dives, extended versions of the podcast, unedited video or audio, early access, or commercial-free listening, there's a level for you. We also now have 15% discounts off annual memberships with tiers ranging from $2 to $50 per month. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. All right. Welcome back, Don. Beaver Territory kind of gave me this idea uh, in our Discord chat, but maybe we'll just start right off with this. Uh, Might be a little bit tough for you to answer, but in lieu of what happened with Austin Swankler at Bowling Green 
and going to MTU and other things that have happened with CCHA teams. What exactly is the CCHA allowed to do as far as like getting involved with uh, penalizing teams or, or other things for like, I assume the CCHA is only really able to punish teams related to fair play and what happens on the ice and who played if somebody wasn't actually eligible or something like that versus anything that happened off the ice. Is that accurate? I, I, yeah, I think that's accurate. I think, uh, you know, if somebody comes into play because we're in Michigan territory and thinking of Michigan football and Jim Harbaugh getting suspended uh, by the Big Ten um, for, for NCAA rules. So really it comes down to we pretty much are going to let institutions run their own um, discipline as long as it's not uh, NCAA rule type. Uh, situations, but we really don't need to get involved. I mean, with the, you know, Dawson Swankler, I mean, he decides to leave Bowling Green, and it, if he ends up transferring to Michigan Tech, that's his prerogative. That's Michigan Tech's prerogative. Once you enter the portal, you know, there, I'm sure there's still some hurdles to be because uh, at least it's happening. I guess institution will appeal, uh, send it in the NCAA with all the documented information. And then, you know, if the NCAA says, yeah, he's good to go, then, you know, as far as work he's eligible to play. Um, so we, we're going to just kind of mirror what the NCAA says on any issue league. Uh, and I was they did send everything into the NCAA. The NCAA cleared them. In reality, the NCAA made a mistake and shouldn't have, but their philosophy is any error by them, uh, they're not going to go back and change it. So okay. um, he was eligible to play at Bowling Green. And, you know, as, as he goes through this process, he'll either be eligible second semester at Michigan Tech or he won't. That's, that's not my decision. That's not Michigan Tech's decision. That's not Bowling Green's decision. That will be the NCAA determining that. Gotcha. So it comes, it comes from them completely. There's no involvement from the CCHA or the member schools at all. It's just the NCAA only. Yeah. 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 It's okay. just the NCAA. They'll send the information and we'll get a copy of it. And uh, again, NCAA makes, makes that decision. And the whole, like speaking in more generalities about like the transfer portal and leaving <clears throat> when he did and that kind of stuff is a, uh, if like leaving, <clears throat> Okay, when you leave and you're planning on coming in at semester break, when would that player be eligible? When classes are done at his existing school, when classes are done at his current school, or when the new semester starts? Well, that, that's a good question. And uh, so you, to understand the portal, uh, how the portal works is there's windows to transfer, and you have to place your name into the portal. Yeah. And, and the window for hockey is, at least right now, is I think it's, 30 days or 60 days this past spring from when the NCAA tournament uh, ends and, it, and then it's open till that next period of time and then it closes. After that, you're not eligible to transfer anymore. So now we have an instance where somebody's transferring outside the portal and NCAA, um, they'll have to uh, appeal that. Uh, but normally, if you're outside of that, normally um, 
you're eligible to play if you're if you're you know eligible academically and everything else usually you're eligible the the day after the last final exam so for instance if whenever michigan tech's final exams are over um that, that last day then the next day um if he's eligible to play he'd be eligible at that time so i've seen instances where you know if somebody in the past before the portal and when you had to sit out a year if somebody uh left at the semester midway through the year set out spring set out fall and they're eligible to play it could they could have a series weekend before christmas they could have a series right after christmas but basically um once they've sat out the year, then they're immediately eligible. Yeah, that's definitely we're we're kind of curious with GLI coming, right? You know, would we do we see him at GLI if that's possible or not? We none yeah, of us are really sure on the rule there. Yes, but if he's eligible and he's deemed eligible, then he should be eligible for the GLI. But again, I, I'm not involved in this process. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yep. I, I don't know. Yeah, that tech, 100%. Tech Normally, finals. that that's how it how it is. Okay. And tech finals are this week, Matt. Is that right? Uh, what's finals? At th- oh yeah, oh yeah. For uh, classes like ended on Friday, I think, right? And finals are this week. Yep. Yep. That's how so it's going right now. He would be eligible. The kids I'm talking to yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So technically, he'd be eligible this weekend if they had a set of games. If if he is eligible for the second semester at Tech. Yep. Which we still aren't one hundred percent sure. You're not eligible about. until all final exams are over. Okay. Yep. Correct. Gotcha. So if class is over on Friday and exams lasted through next saturday then he wouldn't be eligible till that sunday sure that's, sure that's okay. how it works yep okay uh yeah, that's obviously one of the big things on, on our mind here as tech fans right we're, we're curious when he's coming <laughs> but from a general ccha perspective augustana and st thomas are got to be pleasant surprises for you this year right well uh especially augustana you know but there's one caveat with that when st thomas started their program rico didn't get hired until what may and they started playing that fall. So really, he inherited a Division three team with a couple guys that were recruited by the previous staff with three scholarships. Um, so really didn't have an opportunity to get in. There was no uh, go get into the portal at that time or anything like that. So they were they were kind of a year behind. Whereas Augustana coming in, you know, they had a head coach and assistant coach that recruited all year. They had an opportunity to mine the portal. They had an opportunity to go recruit some players. Uh, so I think that was really helpful for them to get off to a, having a much stronger roster. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how many scholarships they had available to them this year, eight or 10, whatever it is. Um, uh, so I think that gave them a year head start. And, and for St. Thomas, in a lot of ways, this is year two for them, not year three uh, with their program. Uh, but both have had terrific years. And I think we all felt like St. Thomas was going to make a big step this year. And they have. Um, and, but I, I am surprised. I didn't anticipate that Augustana would get off the ground running as, as quickly and as well as they have so far this year. And their new arena will open up, um, January 25th and 26th. I believe those are the dates when they play Ferris State at home. Uh, so it's been a real nice start for Augustana. They've been certainly been more than competitive with everybody they've played. I saw them play the opening uh, game against Bowling Green in Sioux Falls. I also saw them up at uh, Northern Michigan here a couple of weeks back, um, and uh, they won the game. I believe that was uh, a shootout win in that Friday night. And they came back and won on Saturday, so they've been uh, very, very good as as our uh, St. Thomas. And I think 
I know sitting uh, with Phil on Saturday night at the Minnesota State uh, St. Thomas game, Phil Weston AD, they're very confident that they'll be breaking on this spring uh, for their new facility as well, which is two new, uh, I think, terrific facilities for the CCHA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exciting. As fans, it's always fun to go to a, a new rink and, and kind of see and collect collect barns, if you will, as a fan. So it's, yeah, it's exactly. one of the things we all enjoy. <laughs> And, and you want to go to nice places. I mean, as a fan, you want to go to, to nice facilities. And, and I think adding these two buildings just, you know, continue to improve upon what we have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I know when we talked to Garrett earlier on the year, one of the things he mentioned with the portal is he was able to build his recruiting classes in a way that he's not heavily front loaded on any particular class. So that should help them not have, you know, huge ups and downs where when you're starting a new program, exactly. that's got to be a difficult concern. That that's really helpful. I know it took a while for Penn State to get out of that, uh, or Omaha when they started back in the day. Uh, um, all of a sudden, even there's no portal, so you, you're not in a situation where you recruit all the seniors or sophomores, and you're stuck. You know, fit back and they try to find some guys with three years of eligibility and four years of eligibility. You get a few transfers, but now you can even mine some of those grad transfers for one more year because of the COVID year and then get some kids with two years of eligibility. And it just, it's, it allows you to more quickly to even out your classes. It's something that's important long-term for your program. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. And it is definitely one of the things like I said, he, he specifically mentioned it that without the transfer portal, that'd be a really difficult thing to do. So yes. starting a fresh program, like you talk about Omaha back in the day, must've been a much more difficult thing to get that rolling. So it's, and he was an upgrade. Uh, you know, from Division Three or Division Two, yep. like whether Bemidji was back in the day or, or Minnesota State and St. Cloud State. So I mean, there was there was no hockey player on campus, so they had to they had to go find twenty eight guys. Yep, yep, yep. And he's found he's found a group that seems to seems to work real well. <laughs> so yes. it's exciting to see. It's it's kind of neat to see. I'm mean, a little little mixed. I'm also a little nervous sometimes to see that they're you know I think I don't know are they still the first in the power from the CCHA at this point. I think they. Oh, they're right up. I haven't looked recently. Yeah, I think they may still be uh, the top power ranked team. Minnesota State and them are really close, but yep. I Hawker do think Santa's they are twenty seventh, and Minnesota State's twenty ninth. If they were to become eligible for an at large bid this year, would they be able to play in the tournament at all? I don't think they can get the auto uh, bid, right? But what if they, they did get an? They uh, they should be eligible because they're an existing D two institution. And there is no yeah, sponsor. I think they are eligible. Championship. I don't know if they have one. I, th- I think they are, but I, again, I don't know that off the top of my head because it's quite consideration. Right. Yeah. I don't think people expected them to come off that quick, but yeah, it'd be an interesting story to see if they're able to do it while they're not eligible for the, the league side of things. So well, they still got a long road to go. So uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We all know that. Uh, <laughs> So we transitioned from it's a good story so far. For sure. Yep. Yeah. So we transitioned from 26 conference games to 24 games that count in the standings this year with two, everybody playing two games against Augustana. And we'll do that again next year. When they're a full member, are we playing 26 conference games or 24? Oh, did we lose you, Don? (laughs) We're going to be playing 26 again. Um, So it's, it's, took a lot of effort to try to yep yeah, can you hear me all right yeah, yeah we can hear you again yeah, yeah we got you back we're we're we're, we're back, back to 26 um uh, for that year so basically we maintain almost a 26 format because everybody wanted eight non-conference games yep you know with august 
and a technically there's 10 the next two years, but in reality it was already scheduled within our, our league schedule. So they only had eight to, to, uh, to work with that. That's an ongoing issue with our group. You know, some teams want 28, some want 24. So 86 is kind of the compromise. Okay. Has gotcha. a, a plan on how to balance the schedules over time when you're at 26 and figured well, out? We came back. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you came back. You're you're up in the the small little area okay. of the video for some reason. There we go. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I show good uh, internet on my side, so yeah. sometimes you're, you guys try are leaving, freezing up. Try leaving it out of the interactive here, Tim. See if that plays nicer. Oh, can try. Yeah, we'll see if that. I don't that... know if it's on my side or on. Yeah, just leave it like this. See if it see if it plays nicer here. We'll we'll try that for a bit. Okay. Did you really hear my answer on the twenty six twenty four? Yep. We heard that part. Um, I asked um, about like once we get Augustana a full member, has it kind of been worked out how to try and keep the schedules semi balanced over time? We're gonna have like travel partners. Yeah. Or so what like we're that? doing is we're moving to like three. Well, we're, it's a little unique because we're gonna have three three team pods. Okay. So you know which you know it's uh, Augustana, Minnesota State, St. Thomas. It's Bemidji, Tech, and Northern, and Lake State, Fair State, Bowling Green. Okay. So, based on geography, so you know, so you'll make sure you play your own pod um, more than the other two. But over time, it's going to balance itself out for the most part. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So you know, the plan would be you know, to play the other teams in your pod. Sure that, so the plan is to play your the other teams in your pod four times every year, and then probably well, not quite. It's going to be it's it's a little unique. Because it's, you know, we're not going to all play the same. We're all going to play the same number of games, but how we get there is going to be a little bit different over a three-year cycle okay. uh, to make the 26 to make the twenty six work. So, you know, one year we have a pod that's going to play 13, 13. One, one group's going to play 12 and 14, and one group's going to play 14 and 12. And over a three-year cycle, it'll even out the same number of home and away games. Okay. But that's the only way we could, that's the only way we could get to 26 games. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It'll be fun to, to see how, how that works. Guru, Tim Danahate. Okay. <laughs> so when, like when teams play 13 and 13, for instance, so the pod would play each other three games uh, each, you know, so just use an example of tech Northern and, and Bemidji, you know, they'd each play each other two game series and then, Bemidji might play one game at Tech. Tech plays one game at Northern. Northern plays one game at Bemidji. So everybody plays three times. Now you're in a situation which I think they want to do is uh, when they do have that once every three years to to just play that second game as a non-conference game, all of them. So okay. you're not traveling for one game. So then in reality, they play 26 league games and then two non-conference games to make 28 on their schedule. Is anybody looking yeah, at, you know, as you travel? A different. Some will want to do that, some won't, based on location. Yeah, I yeah. wonder if you'd have anybody willing to partner up with, like, say, a St. Cloud or something like that to make a kind of a weird split weekend where maybe Bemidji plays Tech in Northern and then go to St. Cloud and get a split there or something like that on the way back. Uh, that becomes difficult because it's the old, um, one team's playing one game, one team's playing two. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. If they're only going to play three times, they'll, they'll play the fourth game. Sure, sure. Okay. Fair enough. That'll be a little bit unique then. We'll see. See mm-hmm. how that see how that works out. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at fibkedental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E dental.com. Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at LivoniaTech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A Tech.net. Is there anything uh, anything big and new news coming CCHA wise, or what are, what are we looking at uh, for the second half of the year? No, we're, we're uh, I think we're status quo. The big thing that you know where we're uh, going through the process right now. This is our, our contract with Flow Sports. This is the last year of that. Uh, whether we we uh, re up with Flow Sports or you know move to a different platform, um, we're we're in the process of negotiating that right now. Okay. Yeah, I know Flow's Flow's been really good for getting getting all the games, getting the replays. It's, it's decently it's worked well there. There's a few features that I know a lot of us that had stretch will we'll talk about when we had stretch of it that we liked, you know, the ability to watch multiple games was always awesome. Flow doesn't offer that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but uh, it, the streaming packages in general have made the sport so much easier to follow when you're not at home anymore, or you're not near, you know, a place where you can go. So th- they're awesome. Yeah, to see. Yeah. And I think people are used to it now because so much is streaming um, in, in all of sports right now. And, the quality, as you say, uh, is is really really good. Um, I know one of the things that we're in the process, which we've done, is like we want to upgrade our CCHA championship game. So we're okay. going to bring in uh, announcers for it. We want to make sure we have our, you know, uh, in between periods all filled with content. Uh, I think that's an important next step for us. So you know, we've already contracted a, you know, a good college announcer, and so we'll bring in a team that's neutral. Um, and, and make it a better feel as it, it truly is a, a neutral and championship CCHA versus, sure. you know, just getting the feed from the local announcers. And they do a good okay. job, but we all know, you know, they're going to be a little bit biased <laughs> in the <laughs> yep, delivery yep. to the home team, right? Yep. Which is only fair. Yeah. So with that, is there a hope that any new contract would make it easier for that game to be broadcast on TV somewhere beyond flow? Or still not sure about that? No, not not not, not at this time. It, it, yeah, it's well, it's it's it, the answer is a hard no. Um, basically, Flow Sports has that game. Um, it's their most watched game. They do not want to give release that to a sure, TV sure. broadcast and, 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 
and take away their you know money that they make off off that championship game. So that's that's part of the price you pay for the streaming piece. Um, we were looking into that before, and we looked at it a little bit last year, and then they finally at the end because we uh, like we had some people that were interested more of a you know a plus stations. And um, they just finally, you know, we have to get permission. And they just finally said, no, that's just not going to be an option. Okay. Um, when you look at the ratings. And, and I get it. And I understand it. You know, the good thing is, is that, you know, people are still tuning in. And uh, it's our most highly watched game every year. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I can understand that from their perspective, for sure. Uh, it's been it's been great. I mean, the, the quality improvements in the cameras from tech's perspective, from Northern's perspective. Um, those two are noticeable. I mean, Northern looks like a regular TV broadcast at this point. Yes. It's it as a tech fan pains me to say how pretty their feed is compared to everybody else's, but it's it's fantastic. But to tech watch. has a good feed, you know, Northern, yep. you know, um, Minnesota State because they partnered with Bethany College there. Um, Bemidji. I mean, we've we've got a lot of good feeds right now. Yep, Green does a good job, and you know, so I'm very pleased from that thing. Like when I sit and watch and I bounce from game to game, um it looks very professional. I mean, I, I the quality of the HD is pretty much like watching. Yeah. <laughs> I turn on it uh, in any TV game. You know, the where we have to continue to work to try to do a better job is with in between period content. Um, but that's each institution has to to do that. Yeah, say so um, the responsibility would be on more resources. The responsibility yeah, on the school to do that. Okay. Yeah, sure. and that's what we've tried to get. Like some schools do, you know, more as far as in between interviews with players when they leave the ice or coaches. So, you know, yeah. we're, we're open, um, you know, to uh, basically allowing our teams to do whatever they want. As far as that, uh, we wish everybody was in a position to. Yeah. This, this weekend's games with, uh, with the guy when they step up the ice and do an interview for the most part, you know, we've really proved that area over the last few years. Sure. Yeah. It's, oh, it's good. You see the backgrounds are in play in most places, right? Uh, most coaches have, or whoever's jumping in a player or a coach is in front of the CCHA signboard and in the, in the host institution. So that's, that's definitely an improvement. And then this weekend, I know it was some special stuff produced by TV six mm-hmm. or Fox, whoever had it from the tech Northern series, but it was, it was really cool to see the four fins and their little special that they had for them as well as, uh, um, some of the other coverage that the, the Northern Tech series is getting these days is is really neat to see. I mean, it, it was never on TV growing up as a kid. You know, it, you get the radio, that was it. So it's neat to see those games uh, locally broadcast yeah, and now it, too. And that was a big part of it. You know, the the, the Fox UP uh, being able to do the Tech Northern games last year. I think they did one each of Tech and uh, Lake State and Northern Lake State. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're doing those two games this year. Um, and I believe they're also going to be doing the Great Lakes. Uh, yep, they're Fox doing GLI UP as well for sure. Um, yep, GLI. So, which is great for the people up up there. And uh, you know, they're not they either can watch it on Flow Sports, the GLI, or they can watch it on you know Fox UP. So, uh, I think that's a win for the, the, certainly the Michigan Tech fans. Yeah, yep. for sure. And that's what we want. You know, we we want to be as accessible as we possibly can. Yep. Yeah, having it on both and not locked out one way or the other is is great. I mean. Like you said, a lot of people are used to streaming these days, but there's a lot of folks that uh, streaming is not going to happen. If it's on TV, they're going to tune into it perhaps, but you know, you're not going to get the streaming side of things. So it's, it's good to see it in both spots for sure. 
especially when there's that heavy local interest yeah. in a rivalry or GLI. Yes, like <laughs> I've got a I've got a ninety three and a half year old mother, and I have to call her every uh, weekend to tell her what channel to go for games on. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's a lot more complicated than it see, it's be. on Fox nine. It's on Fox nine plus it's on a big 10 network. You know, yeah. I don't know on direct TV, what channel they are. <laughs> hey, God bless her. She, she still likes watching. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. But yeah, it does definitely gets harder and harder and she's certainly not grabbing the laptop or the Apple TV. Right. No, so that's just not an option. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh, other than uh, let's see, what else do we got going on CCHA wise? I mean, we've got the two Augustana. We talked about them. Um, we talked about uh, any surprises for you this year that you've seen besides the new schools kind of taking off. You know what? Uh, that's a really good question. Not really. I think when they heard the coaches at the beginning of the year, um, they thought the league would be very compressed. Um, it would be a battle to the end. I think we've seen that. Uh, I think. We, Look at a team like Bowling Green. They got to a very difficult start with everything that happened on their campus and some player suspensions. And all of a sudden, I look at the standings, and I don't have them in front of me, but I think if they were to win two games against Bemidji State, they'd be tied for first place at Christmas. And if Bemidji State wins two games, they'd be tied for first place at Christmas. And that just kind of a template how close things are and how difficult it is to get more than three points in a weekend. see a lot of splits, um, but it's very hard to get, you know, a sweep, it's very hard even to get five points in a weekend. And uh, that's why I do believe this race is going to come right down to the end. I think you know, Michigan Tech got off to a sluggish start, but they seem to be, you know, kind of finding their rhythm. I mean, I don't think you ever say it's a bad weekend when you split with Northern and your, and your rival. I think that's what makes it a great rivalry when, you know, you take turns winning games. Maybe the fans don't quite feel that, that way, but I've always felt like, you know, when you when you go in a building not knowing if you're going to win or lose, and then when you do win, it's that much more enjoyable. Oh, versus, for sure. Yeah, I'm you know, with you. You go on a streak where you just seem to beat your beat your rival every single game. It just it's more enjoyable when you when you when you get those wins when it's 50 50. Yeah, when they did their uh, so I, I, they did their flag plant thing in the middle of the stand, you know, in the middle of the uh, of the McGinnis. That just that makes the rivalry so much more fun. <laughs> you got to have competitiveness mm-hmm. to be a rivalry. You know, the governor's cup like we're talking about hasn't been competitive in years. It's, it feels rough the one way, but yeah, that you got to go yeah, back and, and forth. Like exactly, yeah, and and uh, and I think that's one of the beauties of the tech uh, northern rivalry. Another thing that I've always been was impressed with the last years with the tech northern rivalry. It's it's a rivalry, but it seems like a I don't want to say friendly rivalry, but they it seems like it's more good natured. Um, there's not the hostility in the building when I've been there or even watching with not only the players. And, and I know I think Grant and, and uh, Joe get along really well and have great respect for each other. Um, but the fans in general, you know, they, they have fun. They have their chance. They have their signs. But there's not the FU or the swearing. Or <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, Don. I've got quite a few stray middle fingers in the barrier. <laughs> well, they, well they, 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 were, they were just given uh, – they thought Tech was number one in their yeah. heart. I guess so. <laughs> no, I think that part of that's the, the camaraderie of the UP, I think, a little bit there, right? I mean – it's it's a bunch of beating up on your brothers, but at the same time, when you do go past, you want to see your brother win. Right? I think you're right. There, there's definitely that whole UP power mentality. I, I we think definitely got that right. after the championship game. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was having this conversation with somebody just in the last week, just what you're talking about. Um, you know, because 
being a part of the North Dakota, Minnesota rivalry, <laughs> sure. I mean, that got ugly at times. <laughs> That's different. Yeah. <laughs> and it was more, it was Canadian, Minnesotan, it was country city. It was, you know, all that piece of it. Whereas you're kind of one people. Yep. It's like, I grew up on the range and whichever team is going to state tournament, you supported that range team. You won. Yeah, the North exactly. Yep. I mean, you got, as soon as oh, same ahead, thing with the, the UP, you know, you, you, you you want to beat your rival, but you want your rival to do well because you're youpers, and that's a, that's yep, a, that's yeah, a, exactly. You have that. You have that. They're like your cousins. You might yep. not get along with your cousin all the time, but they're your cousin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. There's a reason why Saint Ignace's fire department comes out to greet whoever is coming back from downstate in in sports, right? No matter what what high school it is, volleyball, basketball, whatever, the fire department greets them right at the other side of the bridge and and welcomes them home. You know. It's, it's yeah. a neat way to do things. <laughs> doesn't matter the sport, does it? Nope, nope. Any any high school team that comes by, if they've been down at the state championship or whatever, St. Ignace will greet them at the bridge usually. So it's a neat thing to see for sure. But uh, that's that's the UP for you. <laughs> that's great. And, and we've yeah, all had our success right. at one point or another. <laughs> so it's awesome to see. Even, mm-hmm. Lake, even Lake State had their heyday years. I mean, the, the only time I've been to a, a frozen four was when I had a little uh, anchor on my face in, in St. Paul. So, <laughs> you know, we, we got to go over for that trip and it was awesome, but yep. uh, would love to see, love to see that come back. Touchdown Packers, Tim. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I was trying to not put it on the podcast, <laughs> but you had to say it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, now it's good to see. I mean, hopefully, hopefully the Northern picks back up again as well. And, you know, we'll see who gets to who gets to go to the big dance this year from the school from the the CCH. I don't think we're going to have two this year, unfortunately. I think it's no, that's a, one. I think yeah, I think that's accurate. And not without a very and, successful uh, you know, uh, holiday season. Perform. Yep. Yes, I mean we we got to win our whatever non conference games we have left, and then you have to have some teams to separate themselves from the pack. I think that's a big right. piece of it as well. That yep. you know, can a team if they've got twelve league games on left, can somebody go nine? and three or something like that i don't know if they can but that 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 has to happen you can't have a bunch of teams go you know seven and five and you know everything's so close that you you don't have enough wins to get in i mean if you look at the conference right now hockey looks really strong and it's probably as strong as anybody in college hockey right now with uh, the resurrection of maine and uh, and UNH is having a good year. And then, you know, BC and BU are obviously very, very good. Um, and and uh, they, they look like Providence is good. UMass is good. Like they, they, they're almost six teams deep right now. Now they might knock each other off at the end, but um, you know, hockey East looks to be really strong this year. Yeah. And it seems that other historical teams, like you said, UNH and Maine haven't had success recently. They've been pretty rough and down on their luck as well. So it's, it's always fun to see some of the historic teams that haven't done well, come back and do well, you know? So it's, well, Hey Rob, you, you know, UNH stands for university of no hardware. So, I yeah. mean, <laughs> 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 so, I mean, they had a pretty good run in the nineties uh, and the early two thousands where they were uh, in frozen fours and, you know, winning yep. hockey East championships and, you know, for, for, I'm sure for hockey East, they love the fact that, uh, Maine and UNH are, are have risen back up because uh, they bring a lot of fans, especially when they're in Boston for the, sure. that uh, hockey's tournament. Oh yeah, and I think it's, I think I think a strong New Hampshire is cool when it does happen. Um, especially because uh, 
my high school history teacher played for the women's team. So I, I got a little oh, bit of well. a connection there, but I guess you do. Yes, you know, little, it, but she was, the local she, news angle, huh, Matt? Well, I mean, she was also like my, one of my first hockey coaches. So, I mean, it was oh, cool. cool. Yeah. But yeah, was, that's my UNH connection. But I also, I always got to get that stab in there whenever I hear it. <laughs> and now it looks like Wisconsin and Michigan State have kind of flipped the script where they oh. struggled for a number of years. And, you know, they look to be two of the top teams in certainly in the Big Ten this year and they're on their way to the NCAA tournament as well. I haven't uh, I haven't seen any I haven't watched any games out of Madison to see if the, the fans are coming back uh strong or not with how, how quickly they've come back. I'm curious if the you know the crease creatures have have come back and are they opening back up the top bowl or not? Because I know they last year they even closed the top bowl. I don't think you could get usually that's up the there. taste I think like for the one of the games run, I don't think, but I don't think it's better Michigan series or they open it back up. Are they okay? Okay. Yeah. And it, it is better, and I think once football ends, historically, you know, they're going to get more more attention uh, when football ends. I'm sure when Minnesota goes in there, I'll bet they'll get twelve, fourteen thousand again here in the second yep. half of the year. Yeah, it's uh, it was always a fun place to go as a Tech fan. You know, when when we were going down there when I was in school, is when they were winning the when they won the, the yeah, national title. Yeah, we remember title, the days right? when so... it was they were getting fifteen thousand, fourteen oh, thousand a game. That's yep. that place when it's full is it's intimidating. <laughs> So I know they're is, pretty like, focused on women's volleyball right now as a school. And rightfully so. Yeah, because I think they're in the Elite Eight or something. Oh, are they? Okay. Yep. They're in the Final Four. Are they now? They won again? Okay. I haven't been paying too much attention, but I have a lot of Wisconsin fans on friends on Twitter, so they keep me updated on how the volleyball team's doing. And I know they're one of the best in the country by far. So. Um, yeah. I think Nebraska and Emma right there. Yeah. So one of the things that's changed from last year to this year is uh, is uh, our friend Marco Hunt joining the staff. And uh, so how how have things been different this year with the referees? And um, John Filios, one of our uh, patrons, wants to know if if you're happy with the refereeing as opposed to last year. I don't know if I'd want to phrase it that way, but that's how he asked it. <laughs> well, I. Um... Two things. I, I haven't heard much from the coaches, which is always a good thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yep. That's one of those only it's bad that, things. Yes. Uh, uh, one of the things that, like, I always liked when, when, when Kevin decided to, uh, you know, go back to a full time job and uh, didn't want to do it anymore. Um, you know, we, I made some phone calls to, to see who has some interest. And, and one of my calls was to Marco Hunt. And the reason being is because I always thought Marco was an outstanding referee. Um, he had a good feel for the game. He played college hockey, uh, got into refereeing, worked his way up, you know, refereed in national title games, frozen fours, multiple uh, final fives in the WCHA. So I, it starts, he had the feel, a long time referee. Um, and so when I interviewed three or four, you know, I sat down with Marco and went, back and forth at a coffee shop there in the Twin Cities. And, um, I, I kind of knew after our discussion, I wanted to go in that direction. And one of the things that's really been helpful, Marco has a, obviously a really good relationship with Steve Piotrowski from the Big Ten. He you know, was his assistant with the Big Ten and observed games last year for Pi at Minnesota. But he also had a really good relationship with Mike Schmidt, who uh, was just named the NCHC head of officials. So one of the benefits has been uh, a, a broader pool of officials 
to start the first half of the year because, uh, you know, obviously Marco did have a history with a lot of our officials. Uh, so he's given them opportunities, but he's also had more cooperation from the NCHC and the Big Ten to have some of their officials uh, in our games, at our games, and they're doing more sharing, which I think is beneficial for everybody. Uh, and I think that's been a help because all of a sudden, when you're a coach, sometimes you have a history with a referee, good or bad, and it's, it's bad. And so you don't like an official. And it's 50-50, what do you immediately think? Oh, he's out to get me. We're getting, he's doing a bad job again. And if there's somebody that you don't know, you haven't had, he makes that same call, you, you don't think much of it. So, you know, Marco's used a lot of officials. We'll get it narrowed down in January. And, you know, certainly once we get to October, we'll really fine tune it to where you're getting, you're working eight to 10 officials as you get ready for the for the first round of the playoffs. So, you know, guys are going to earn their ice time this year, which is a good thing. Uh, Marco's learning. Uh, I've been very impressed by what I've seen from him and his passion. You know, as Langer had, had that passion as well. Uh, so, so far, so good. Um, there's always going to be, some of those 50-50 calls that are different. You're always going to have calls where one fan group thinks <laughs> it's a great call and the other fan group thinks it's a terrible call. But that's what being a fan's all about because we, we look through it at our to our own glasses um, and that's the way it is. It's always the way it's going to be. So, again, I, I think for the most part we've been happy. We'll keep working. We'll keep teaching. I know that Mark and I will both be uh, second weekend of January at the Big Ten offices where all our supervisors meet. Um, and then we'll go over watching games together Friday and Saturday, meeting uh, on Saturday all afternoon, going over rule changes, going over issues that we have during the course of the year. So, you know, all in all, it's been it's been pretty good. Do you know of any rule changes that might be coming along? So I know uh, well, there was no, something that was I'll, getting tested this year, right? January will be more. Yeah, we, we have in the CCHA uh, the high stick rule. That's it, yeah. Uh, shoulder height to knock down a puck not four feet, and that came into play. That came into play. That's an experimental rule they allowed us to use. That came into play because of a situation a year ago. Uh, Bemidji State was playing Bowling Green. Bemidji State's goalie fired one up the middle. Bowling Green guys had a stick and, you know, knocked the puck down. And it was it was really hard to tell. Is it four feet? Is it shoulder height? Well, you know, the stick was, was flat, but four feet. And shoulder height are two different things. Yep. And that, like me personally, <laughs> yep. um, it makes it a lot easier for the referee, because if somebody's six foot four versus five foot eight, you know, shoulder heights, you know, big difference. And the NHL yeah. has shoulder height, not to deflect the goal, but to knock the puck down. Um, me personally, I'd be fine if you could deflect the puck at shoulder height. Um, it's a skill play. We, we want more goals in our game anyway. You're not hitting somebody in the head. Uh, I don't know if we'll go there, but I, I, I think it's safe to assume that they'll change the rule next year to go to shoulder height to knock a puck down because if you stand by a net you'd be surprised that might be like not much more than belly button height for some people yep oh yeah hey <laughs> we'll look yep. at both Make, it makes it a difficult call makes a difficult call for the for the officials as yeah. always goaltender interference is very difficult that's the most difficult call there is we went through that in the last year um the other um uh, the changes this year or the last couple of years have been he added uh, coaches challenge where the coach has to challenge offsides now. Uh, I think that's good. There's been far fewer challenges. Uh, I think we got to the point a couple of years ago where we're slowing the game down far too much. 
Uh, we've had positive feedback on the one TV timeout per period. Um, you know, we have the one two-minute timeout versus three ones that probably blood to a minute and a half. Um, and sometimes that first TV timeout doesn't come till six, seven minutes left in, in a period. So I, I think that's been real positive as well. So speeds up the game a little bit, keeps the flow, keeps the players into it. So I, I think those have been real positive. And I'll, I'll know a lot more in January when I when I get the feedback from the other uh, supervisors and and uh, Jeff Bolton from the NCAA and Frank Cole, uh, kind of which direction, you know, at least from an officiating standpoint, they'd like to see sure. which rules changed. Yeah, that may, that, tweak, I should say is probably, probably a better word. The shoulder height one makes a ton of sense. You get the ref a point of reference that's the same on whatever player he's trying to judge against, whereas that forefoot is so varied that it's impossible to decide. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. Basically, it's a parallel height to your shoulder. If, you, if your stick is parallel yeah. to the ice, that should be good. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. That, that makes sense to me. You know, the, the other big change is the, the third assistant. I mean, how have you seen different schools use that third assistant? Uh, some of them have. Are, are we able to have two on the bench? Are you able to only have three on the bench? What's the actual rule around that? Well, there's a number of people you can have on the bench, so it's up to each institution. But you're allowed. Yeah, I mean, all three could be on the bench. Could they? Okay. Well, we haven't time, seen our third yeah, on the bench, though, right? He's always traveling. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, that's a big part of it, too, is it allows you know, one assistant to be on the road a lot more, um, be an eye in the sky. So that's an option as well. I, I, I think it's a great rule. So each institution can decide, do they want a full-time assistant? Do they want to still have a volunteer? And then you could pay your volunteer a little bit of money, you know, at least pay for his gas and everything. Sure, for sure. Some time. Or you could have a graduate assistant. Like I started, many of the people that were my age started coaching as a graduate assistant. And there was no avenue for anybody to do that. Um, and so I, I, I think it was much needed. You get into September, you're coaching your players, and then, you, you know, your assistants are gone. So as a head coach, you're all on the ice by yourself. And we don't want – that's not a good situation for the players because you, you want to have staff members that are there coaching. Um, and so I think that was a really, really good rule. Now, a number of schools have implemented already the full-time third coach. As I said, others might be more paying somebody ten or $15,000. Uh, each, each institution can make that decision on their own how they want to do it. If you were still coaching today, how would you use that third guy yourself? What would be your ideal use for him? I, I you broke up. You have so to ask that again. If, if if you had a if you had the third coach, well, you were coaching still. What would be your ideal use for him? Would you be having him scout? Would you have him behind mm-hmm. the sky? What would you use him for? Well, I think the the number one thing for a lot of people is getting a full time goalie coach. Okay, um, we all know how important that position is, and for many of us, the volunteer coach was your goalie coach. So, yep, you know, we could have had a situation at that time where. You could have paid them, even if they weren't full time. You know whether it's more of a stipend that to take them away from their job. Like we had, like whether it was Rob Stauber or Justin Johnson, guys that um, had goalie um, camps and and uh, uh, academies in the Twin Cities areas. They they would come and, and volunteer their time a couple of days a week. That would be one. But I, I think in a deal situation, you're going to have the ability to get guys on the road more. And, and from the recruiting standpoint. And I, I think that's where it really, really is helpful and comes into play. And then just more hands-on at practice, more communication with your players, not only at practice, whether it's video, um, one-on-one teaching. So, I mean, hockey was a situation where you have had three coaches for you know, 27, 28 players and 
I mean, use basketball example. They had three or four staff members for 13. Uh, yeah. So you're right. just not, you're not spread out as thin, which is a good thing. Yeah. Evening that ratio up makes a ton of sense compared to some of the other, you know, money sports, if you will. Right. I mean, it feels like football, you have a team of coaches <laughs> on the sideline for what you've yes, got. Well, the- now you have all the analysts. So you yeah, have 50 analysts at the big power five schools. Right. Yeah. So it's insane to me that, that those two sports have so many more coaches where hockey has always been the three only uh, it, it's, I think good to see just the improvement of just one more on the bench. Yes. And especially with how wide the recruiting nets are and, too. Right. Yeah. And and I think back in the day, I think you, you could, they were, you were allowed to have a couple of assistants and then a, a graduate assistant. Okay. They took away the graduate assistant and made it a volunteer, which is too bad because that was such a nice Avenue. You know, somebody gets done with their hockey career, come on in, get your master's. You're only going to be there two years, and then you're moved on. Yeah, it's your, uh, your apprenticeship. Way to get uh, people involved in. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, it's, I think it's one thing tech has done really well. I mean, the Joe's assistants are all real young guys getting their first kind of taste of it. Uh, you know, Jordy's there. I think he was assistant somewhere else, but uh, he Tyler, was a volunteer. Just, he was he the was volunteer. volunteer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame. yeah. Okay. Yep. He's volunteering Notre gotcha. Dame before he came up, and obviously it's in his blood. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, with his dad. Yep. So he's been around it his whole life, and you know, I think he's done a nice job. And uh, you know, Tyler's there now, and I mean, he's got he's got a good young staff, and I think you know, as as we got old as coach head coaches, you you want to surround yourself with some younger guys that can really relate to your players and are into the Twitter and Instagram and everything yeah. else. You be, should be <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Makes sense. <laughs> That's a, as we get older, we, I don't understand half the stuff that gets posted. Matt's mm-hmm. our conduit to the younger generation. Now for us, our group, <laughs> as I, well, I do my, for me, I, I'm not on all that because then I can't get myself in trouble because I don't know how many people get in trouble by tweeting something they wish they wouldn't have. So, yeah. yeah, see, and most of the reason I just try to keep up with like the younger generation's lingo is because I don't want to say what's like a completely normal sentence, and then one word in there ends up being like one of their slang words, and it's taken out of context forever. You so like, I just try to. You mean like our learning like that waffle. waffling changed? Like, what it yeah, means? like yeah. W- like waffling changed. <laughs> Thanks, Diaz. You're getting another shout out on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yep. It's always fun watching the <laughs> watching yourself get older and the younger generation <laughs> not be understandable. I'm finding that as I get close to 40 myself, that the college kids, I don't know what they're talking about anymore. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. It, so it you mentioned it, it used to be that hockey allowed a graduate assistant, but now they don't. <laughs> That's just crazy to me. Well, that football yeah, gets do. all it's, this. When you're three, see, you, you could be a, full-time paid you could be a volunteer or you could be a graduate yeah well the one rule you need to understand never compare anything to football and they bring in millions and millions and millions of dollars of pay for the athletic department especially at the bcs level so yeah um that's well, just not that. even a factor but but I mean, even so michigan tech i was an undergraduate assistant uh, so it's just weird yeah. how uh you know how many how, how much everything stretched? Well, well you can, can you mention basketball. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, they have one, like it, you could be an undergraduate assistant. Like let's say tech had a player that couldn't play hockey anymore. It was concussions or whatever, knee injuries. He can be a student assistant okay. until he graduates. So you, you, you can add that, excuse me, okay. person to your staff. So you still have that uh, ability to, to do that, but it really came down to, they got sued. Well, you, 
If you went back further, they had a restricted earnings coach back when I first went to Colorado College in 1993. So we had head coach me we had a full-time assistant and then a restricted earnings coach where he was like half time paid for hockey i think the maximum he could make was like twelve thousand or something like that and then <laughs> he worked in the rink well we all know okay. that he basically coached hockey but they had to give him the other job title but they limited compensation and they sued they they the ncaa was sued and the ncaa lost okay, okay. i didn't realize that history of in that position somebody's earnings and all those yeah and all those assistance and compensation from the lawsuit because it was a class action and so that's okay. a lot of these big changes you're seeing in the ncaa right now are because of uh, antitrust violations so every time the NC- they get sued they're losing because of uh, uh these antitrust laws so they don't ever put a restraint and that's why all of a sudden you're money. Now you're talking about, you know, are the players going to get paid or, you know, the new just came out in the last week or if you want to play big boy sports, half your athletes have to get a minimum of $30,000 on top of your scholarships, men and women. So, you know, a lot of things are changing. It's going to be. Yeah. These next few years with, uh, with uh, all that is going to be crazy. I think we're going to see football and basketball go nuts. But, I mean, don't discount hockey too much. It is another one of those sports that does have a championship that pulls in money. Oh, do we? I think we might have lost Don again here. Might have lost Don again. Oh, come back. night for the internet. Yeah. <laughs> back, Don? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there I we go. I can hear you. A little, little <laughs> muffled, but I can, I can hear you now. Okay. okay. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, no worries. It happens. <laughs> So yeah, it's a, it'll be a crazy few years to see how just how the D1 sports settle themselves out, especially with the big schools, the big power five or whatever the at the football side is and, and what reverberation that has for athletic departments across the country for the other sports. Because like you said, football yeah, drives I mean, money. In, in our sport, I mean, it, it's really 10 schools. It's it's the Big Ten, it's UConn, it's Boston College, it's uh, Arizona State. Um, those are the ones that in, in our sport. Um, that that could be, you know, benefited by that. But again, I mean, it's not like even Boston College and UConn are flush with a bunch of money either. So uh, it's going to be interesting how this all plays itself out. I mean, hey, there's talk of a, you know, even the top 30, 40 football teams breaking away and keeping the money themselves. You know, right. why give it to the lower echelon, you know, BCS schools that don't generate the TV revenues yep. or the interest. Yeah, it's uh, be a crazy few years. Times are changing. <laughs> yep, everybody's the, chasing a buck. That's the only constant, or a billion, <laughs> whatever. Yes, they are. <laughs> well, you oh. can make uh, this new proposal for thirty thousand when uh, probably for these players when uh, you have somebody getting bought out for seventy six million from coaching. So, and they want they don't want to hear that there's no money for the players. Yeah, oh, so that's the argument Tim will bring up almost every time is look how much the coaches are getting, but the players are getting nothing. And they're just yeah, the players are the ones taking the risk for that three, four years there in college. If there's an injury there and they haven't been able to make any type of career out of it, it's it's a very valid argument from the athlete's side. I get it. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's no there's no question because I mean, uh, you play college football for four or five years and hey, you're gonna feel it in your fifties and sixties. Yep. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and there's no compensation at that point in time. Yep. 
And what if you don't make it to the NHL and get the big show money and, and you know, that the, those yeah, three or four years are all you play. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's what you're seeing in the portal right now. I, I just read an article like some of these quarterbacks, you know, maybe they're not going to be an NFL quarterback and you're six feet, a little bit undersized and they're just going to the portal. It's where can I make the most money? And if I can get my college degree and all of a sudden I leave with two, four million dollars a bank, it's a heck yeah. way to start life. I would I wouldn't mind a million dollar starter start at twenty two or whatever twenty three that's that's the way to go <laughs> can't blame them it makes sense well we brought up waffling so we might as well ask this question from yeah, Discord just, no no you I can't ask what no no I think we're catching back up again <laughs> okay uh, after a vigorous discussion on Discord today Minnesota sports guy wants your opinion waffles or pancakes. Ooh, that's a really good question. My wife, my wife makes really good sourdough pancakes and waffles. Um, oh, I think if I had to probably have one, I might go with pancakes over waffles. So okay. that's interesting. I've always been a waffle guy. That's what my mom made, and it gives you the perfect spots for the butter and the maple syrup. Pancakes just it runs off. <laughs> That's how I feel as well. And also I just feel like waffles usually are like to me it's a more whole like uh texture experience in your mouth. Like there's usually like the little like crispiness around the ridges, a little soft in the middle. I just like the I like the entire experience of eating a waffle better, but that is not to say I would ever turn down a pancake if it was in front of me. I also well, like I how mean, I, I grew up with the Swedish thinner pancake. Ah, it's okay. Crepes and sure. then, as I said, my wife makes, you know, her, she has her sourdough starter. So I also like how it's Perry sneaking the question in. <laughs> <laughs> like he can't just text you. <laughs> Speaking of Perry, and when we were talking about intermission stuff, has there been any thought of? Perry or somebody else doing something uh, for the streaming like we used to do on radio in the WCHA with like a segment every week that's like this week in the CCHA to cover what happened last week? In, via video? Yeah, with highlights and uh, whatnot. Perry, Perry's had some, you know, Perry has some, you know, really good ideas. Um, and and he's done a, re- a, a terrific job with, with our highlight packages. And I know he's got some podcasts going on uh, and, and they're available to the different teams. They just have to, you know, want to, want to pick them up. Um, and so we, we've tried to do that, but again, each team is, is different in what they have in their in between period content, you know, what they've sold uh, you know, on each of their campuses. So, you know, that, that's really a big part of it is each individual campus kind of controlling what they do. You you know in their own in their own uh, game. Okay. Yeah, the little blurb of this week in the WCHA is like a childhood soundbite that just immediately <laughs> makes my brain go back to pregame. <laughs> but we, we wouldn't wouldn't be uh, getting us to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. WCHA. Yep. <laughs> well, what else do we got to talk about, guys? Is there anything else that uh, you guys can think about here? We've had Don for an hour, so. Mm. Let's see what else. I have any more uh, questions? Any more listener questions? Yeah, we got two more. Um, So Pitu, we already answered a couple of his questions, I think, or one. I guess he has two. Um, 
with the influx of new D1 programs, do you think there's likely to be any additional conferences created? Um, and if so, would the conference creation have any impact on how many teams are in the NCAA tournament? Uh, it would have an impact as far as uh, once if you have six teams and new con for a couple of years, then you get an AQ. So it would take away an at-large berth. Um, but like basketball, does added, it have any requirement on the percent of like at-large to uh, AQ? No? Okay. I'm guessing we'd have to have quite a few more well, teams before the tournament itself would it, move from 16 uh, to something uh, larger. Every conference has and that's the that's the playoff champion and i think at basketball no because we're already at a pretty high number ratio wise 16 out of 60 yeah um so i don't think that would come into play at all um, okay i don't think we'll be moving off 16 unless we had 100 teams so to add a conference to thinking that the the expansion of the ncaa tournament no i don't think that is realistic at all um, there's certainly enough competitive teams to get, you know, 16 to 20 to 24, but it just, it just has to do with ratios um, in, in your sport. And most of the time it's, you know, 25% or less. And we're, you know, we're, we're uh, beyond that right now. And then it also would have title line implications as well uh, on, the, on the women's side. So there could be a new conference form. There's just not enough teams right now. And now you're stretched from, you know, Alaska, you know, the two Alaska schools, Lindenwood uh, in the Midwest, Long Island, Southeast, you know, you know, Stonehill still hasn't made the official, you know, bump up. But, uh, you know, Arizona State's going to get gobbled up in a conference next year. Augustan will be in a conference in a couple of years. So right now there's like four teams that are out there. You just you have to have a minimum of six in order to have a conference with an automatic qualifier. You know, interesting you bring up Stonehill because uh, I don't know how you guys have like felt about the whole way that they're going about their jump to D1, but to me, they just kind of feel like college hockey's version of Bishop Sycamore where like they keep playing D1 teams and don't seem like they have any business doing it. And I just don't know what their like transition plan is to get in there or like find a conference or like try to be competitive or what their prerogative is here, you know? And that's yeah, what's their, what's their end game? I mean, and it gets back to when teams were knocking on our door, St. Thomas and Augustana, you look at their institutional commitment, you know, brand new rinks going to be built, you know, great markets, great institutions that they're committed. And that that becomes really important as well. And and some of these schools that are look like they might want to add hockey, but are they really committed to it? Or are they just kind of trying to add it? And uh I mean, if you're playing in a, in a facility that's not much more than a high school and you get no fan attendance, it just I don't see the long-range future in your program if you're trying to go to Division One in that environment because who wants to go there and play? Yeah, it's, it becomes very difficult to get anybody to come in your rink and have home games. Yeah, it makes sense. And I know there's some other schools out. Uh, is it the New York schools or some of the 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 any any league or whatever it is out there that's the D two league? that has the possibility if they've got enough of maybe transitioning, but they are all the Stonehill style of programs for what I understand. Correct. Uh, none of them yeah. have a bigger rinks, right? Yeah. So they yes. they all seem pretty happy. Yeah, I, I'm to be... not familiar with those teams out East. As you say, they were division two institutions. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's the general Western ignorance of Eastern hockey, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know them at all. Uh, so. Yeah, I've looked into them at a pool. I'm I'm shocked that they don't, but you can tell that they don't. 
like they just don't have the institutional interest in doing right. more than they have and they're happy just doing what they're doing so um so i know we've heard this before but maybe you can confirm this so if there were six teams that didn't have a conference and they wanted to form one are they even allowed to right now without the without having um the having an existing multi-sport conference agree to like be the the flagship for it can there be another a new like a great western hockey conference can that even happen right now or is there a moratorium on that i you know i i don't know uh do you know that you need six and if you haven't had an existing conference it might take a few years to be eligible i don't think you're eligible immediately um i do know that like if let's say there was a you know, somebody had it like let's say the Big Ten has seven teams and two teams dropped out. You still have some grace period to get back in um, to get to six. Um, so right now, I just think it's far fetched that anybody's going to be adding a conference anytime soon. I think we're we have our six conferences, and you know, unless there's a whole host of new teams that are going to be adding hockey, uh, I just don't see it. So you got one other question, Tim? Uh, yep, we got one more question from John Filios. You answered the other two. Um, can't we find a way to have more non-league games mid-year instead of at the beginning? Um, other teams seem to have a developmental advantage early in the year. If we play after Thanksgiving more, I think we might have a better winning percentage. We'll find out more about that after uh, the holiday tournaments. But what are your thoughts, Don? Uh, a couple of thoughts. Um Right now, the coaches have, when we do our schedule, the coaches request those early weeks off because it's easier to get non conference games. But I just had a conversation with a coach about, you know, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, not playing any league games Thanksgiving weekend. And so we build our schedule. We send a, a, a worksheet in at release right now. The first couple of weeks are blocked as non conference. They all get the opportunity to say, you know what? I've already got a conference, non-conference game. Carnival block dates. Somebody else might have uh, another weekend where they have a building conflict. They have to be on the road, or somebody doesn't want to play during final exam period. Uh, so everybody has three blocks they can use at any time, um, and so we get that back from each team with the blocks. Uh, and then, then the schedule gets put together at that point in time. But it's we're not opposed. It's not from our end, the league office, that says October we have to play non-league games. If the, if the coaches want to say, you know what, we want to play some more league games in early October, free up more dates non-conference later, we can do that. The only thing I will tell you, it's very difficult to schedule non-conference games after January. Yep. Uh, early October good time teams are willing to travel and revert to a non-conference weekend and then certainly everybody's always playing non-conference games right after christmas so there's some flexibility dates to that um now with a few not with a few independents you know we're going to have a, a team the second half of the year in the future that'll be open every weekend um and, and so each coach has a flexibility to kind of put their schedule together as they see fit there's no coordination from the ncaa level or the various leagues to say that you know one weekend in February is always non-conference and should be keep open that way. That would have to be some kind of agreement amongst the leagues. There's nothing like that. No. Okay. 
Yeah, you know, and, and what you'll yeah, and what's fine is like most of our teams want to play a three-year role, so you kind of have that buy pre-planned in early February. So a lot, a lot of coaches want that. Um, but again, if, if we sat down together and say, "Hey, do we want to start playing more league games uh, in early October?" But you know, it's just easy to get conference games for for teams and things going like like uh, ECAC. I mean, the, the Ivies, the six Ivies don't even start playing until last week of October. So there's other right. six, there's no conference games really. So those other six teams are looking for games. And and so you, you kind of have to look at it as, you know, you want to get good quality opponents and, um, you know, travel, get your home dates. So you, you want to make sure that, and we try to always be a couple of years ahead of, out. Uh, so teams have plenty of time to, to get their non-conference games. But that's that's a flexibility part, whatever the coaches want. I mean, that's again, it's nothing from our standpoint that we're dictating. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, to follow up on John's question, I, the answer is really that the CCHA teams need to find a better way to get off to better starts. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's starting. <laughs> I don't understand why we got to be the ones complaining yeah. about it. <laughs> I, one of the things that kind of follows that up is what are the current rules on practicing before that first day of that games are allowed? Everybody's under the same boat. I mean, you, you are allowed, uh, I think it's five hours per week on the ice or I'd have to go back and look once classes start. Most people don't really do much of anything till after uh, Labor Day weekend, but people are on the ice far more than they ever were. I mean, you go back to, I mean, Seven eight years ago, I mean, you were to do, I think it was like three hours for for a couple of weeks before official practice. What has changed to be your first of the press two weeks. So if the first is let's use Octavian team that, that first weekend one game, and that that's how you prepared your team. Whereas now. Because of all the practice time you have in September, um, teams are ready to play opening weekend. Oh, there we go. Back again. <laughs> yeah, Did it's, you get it's, my answer. Yep, yep. So they're so. they're ready. They're ready to play opening weekend. You know, because you got a lot more time on the ice, which makes sense. And everybody's got the same rules to follow. We can't blame as a league that you know it's, we want to play later. Everybody's playing the same time. Except the Alaska schools and the Ivies. The bottom, I get it. The bottom line with scheduling is, yeah, Alaska schools are bound by the same number of days, but they are allowed to start a week earlier full time practice, but they still have the same number of practice opportunities throughout the year. Yep. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is the old adage schedule the best teams you can be. Yep. You know, and, right. And, and we talked to our coaches about that. Um, I mean, it doesn't do our league a whole lot of good if we overschedule who we're playing and lose um, because that only affects the team that loses, but it affects every team that plays them. Yep. You know, the old adage is back to how many league games you play. Well, if you play 24 league games, instead of 28, if you play 28, by definition, you're 500. What if you play better, but if you win one out of four, then you've hurt your whole league. And uh, that that that's the bottom line. I mean, you look wrong, whether it's the NCHC and the Big Ten are a big part of our footprint. And when we play those teams, you got to be able to beat them. Yep. Yep. If you're gonna, otherwise, don't schedule. Yep. I think when Tech scheduled Wisconsin, they thought they would win. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody. And, 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 but you have to play some regional games. Yeah. State, same with St. Thomas. You know, if you're if you're tech in Northern, not that far from Madison, and you know, you want to keep some of your games with, if you can, with Michigan State or Michigan. Uh, I mean, you just you want to play some of those old uh, regional rivalries as well, and yep. you got to you got to win those games. Yep, yep. and it yeah. just kind of stinks for the league that that all of us struggled this year. Yeah, usually somebody's picking up the slack and 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 doing well. This has been a down year. I don't think it'll stay that yeah, way next year. Look at Tech last year; they they won the tournament. Uh, they had a great non conference record a year ago, and yep, swept Fairbanks and Fairbanks, and you know that that really helped. And that is Minnesota State over the last number of years had great non conference schedules and records and. It's helped them get a real high seed in the tournament. Yep. Yeah, I don't think I think this will be an exception year. I don't think this is the norm for it all. You know, we'll see it uh, next year. Be back to back to what it has been, where it's been one at large bid, and and then, and then the conference the conference cha- champions coming in in two bids. I don't think that's unusual. I think this one year one bid year is is a exception, not the norm for the league. Yeah, and, and that's the way we have to make it. And uh, you know, in a couple of these years, we've almost had three teams in yep um but i i think we want to be pretty consistent with you know two teams and, and knocking on the door with three that's the goal yep that's a perfectly good goal for the league for sure all right we got any other questions tim or are we, we that's good all there? i got all right good i'm gonna go eat dinner all yeah right. well, thanks for joining us john th- we appreciate you having thanks for joining us you're welcome guys Especially through the technical fun we've been having good <laughs> thanks for sticking <laughs> with it <laughs> oh my pleasure i always talk nice to talk to great hockey fans all right. Well, have a good uh, holidays, and we'll we'll see you in the second half of the year. All right. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Merry Christmas. Yeah, you, you as well. Merry Christmas. Bye. All right. Anything yeah. else, guys? I'm happy calling it a podcast. Right. Yeah, same here. And if you made it this far, tweet a waffle emoji at mcavenderthg. mcavender <laughs> underscore thd, excuse me. One minute remaining in the podcast. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Uh, we've got various levels from $2 a month all the way up to 20 well, all the way up to $50 a month, I think now, um, which includes special features like extra podcast content and earlier access to podcasts at different times, and whether you want video or audio or whatever. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach, so tell your friends. If you give us a five-star rating, Dustin will read the review uh, you leave. So no matter what it says, uh, let's see some ratings and uh, see what you guys have to say. I totally botched that, but who cares? Nobody listens to this part. Yeah, once nobody submits reviews either. Yeah. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibke Dental in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, Arcadia Insurance, and Livonia Technical Services. Finally, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com.
You've been listening to the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA.